Pretty cool. We have such an encouraging church, for the most part. There's always a time, it seems like, right before you get ready, something happens. That means it's going to be a good night. Would you guys pray for me real quick, and I'll pray for you? Father God, I pray you would give us all ears to hear what you would say tonight. Lord, let us leave here a little bit closer to you. That's what we want. In Jesus' name, amen. What's up, guys? Hi, Reagan. It was funny because when Martin started, Martin, we love you, man. Where's he at? Is that awesome? Thanks for stepping up. Reagan said, hey, are you nervous? You should be. And I think that what that does, it kind of sharpens you up, you know. You call on the spirit when that happens. I think it's good. It's really amazing testimony. You guys uh, need to hear the rest of it because it's really, bit, really good. And it's on the podcast somewhere, right? Did we do a two-part? Just one part. This book right here, this book changes lives. This book changes lives, guys. This is not just a book. This is the Word of God. This, without this, where would we be? How many people in this church, your lives have been changed by the Word of God? Pretty much everybody. Amen. Anybody love country music? Anybody believe? Thank you. Anybody believe that the best country music was in the 80s? In the 70s, Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, uh, you know, all that stuff. Nick Nixon. Huh? You guys remember Nick Nixon? I'll tell you a little bit about Nick Nixon. Uh, for years, when I was a kid, I would hear Nick Nixon on the radio, on, on WIL. My dad had always had it on, and I hated it. Hated it all. Hated Johnny. What was, what was I thinking? Hated Waylon. What was I thinking? Hated it all right? But Nick Nixon was on there, and I would see Rockin' and Rosalie's Boat. You guys remember that? Rockin' and Rosalie's dun 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 That's all I really remember. But I remember, uh, and I felt, I thought he did this song, uh, Fools Fall in Love Just Like Schoolgirls. I thought he did that for 30 years. <laughs> and I loved that song, right? And I would... Uh, I'd sing the song, the, the eight words I know, and do the But uh, I grew up, and then I actually started liking country music. But I remember always feeling kind of a connection to this Nick Nixon. I don't know, I know what it is now. But I didn't know at the time, and I can't explain it. I'm not going to over-spiritualize it or anything like that. But it was just kind of like, I don't know what it was. I believe it was God before I even knew him. So uh, I remember when I moved to Wright City, we would drive around and I would see Nick Nixon Realty with a little guitar on it. And I was like, man, I wonder if that's the Nick Nixon. I wonder if that's him. Well, then I hooked up with Campbell. Kind of been downhill ever since then, but that's a whole other message for a whole other time. Well, we started doing a Bible study at Danny's house. Right, and then it got a little bit bigger, and then it kind of got a little bit disruptive when I'm asking Diana. She rolled out of bed. Can you pass the Cheerios? It was awkward. So she asked us to, very nicely, because it is Diane, leave. <laughs> and don't come back. 
and you know that Jesus loves you. We were doing a little Bible study, and Danny said, you know, up at the Baptist Mission, Nick Nixon leads music. And I was like, what? Nick Nixon, like cowboy? Cowboy, you know. Nick Nixon? Really? Oh, yeah, it's really, and I, I didn't believe it. And I remember the first time when Diane asked us to leave, going into the Baptist Mission and seeing Nick Nixon. And I was like, wow, there he is. Oh, hi, Mr. Nixon. I've heard of you. Kind of like when I call Koss out of the blue. But, you know, I had a certain thing when I talked to him. There was almost like a reverence. And I remember my first phone call when I talked to him on the telephone. I have Nick Nixon's phone number. We should have that kind of reverence when we approach the Word of God. You have God's phone number in Christ when you're reading these words of God. Now, sometimes we give way too much respect to men and not enough reverence for God, right? But nevertheless, I met him, and, and, he, and do we have that song? He wrote, we still don't have the song. We have it? More stall? Uh, to the new people at Misfits, this happens from time to time. If you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's been known to happen, so we're just going to roll with it. Listen to this song. Water and blood. Water and blood. From out of his eyes.
The Bible declares that we're all prodigals. Every single one of us, all like sheep, have gone astray. No, there's not one good. It's sometimes we see there's a prodigal. The reality of it is we're all prodigals. We're born into prodigals. It is what it is, right? Until you say yes to Jesus, you're a prodigal. Some prodigals are worse than others. Nick was a prodigal. Lived his whole life for the world, doing worldly things, and all of this kind of stuff. And the reality of that song, he wrote that when he was not even a believer. When he had not trusted Christ. You see, he would sit in the back of the church at the mission, and he would listen to his preach. That's back when I was Bill's trusty little sidekick. And Bill would let me preach every now and again. And, and my dad would even start coming because he was a big fan of Nick Nixon. I'm a big fan of Nick before and I'm gonna, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of the story. So I've turned to your Bibles real quick. I think it's cool. We had touched on uh, prodigals a minute ago. And, and not only the, uh, the come on, man, but the opening and some of the songs. And none of us have conspired about this. I think that's the coolest thing. So this uh, account is the only account of the prodigal son, and I think it's more about the father than the son. Uh, turn to your Bibles to Luke 15. And I found a really cool quote from Luther. And I think Rascal, our buddy Rascal at Cowboy Church, would love this. Our Lord must be a pious man to be able to love rascals. I can't do it, and yet I am a rascal myself. Is that great? Thanks, Pete. That's for uh, Martin Luther. Uh, so in this thing, in, in Luke chapter 15... Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Now make no mistake, this is a pointed audience. He's talking about Pharisees and Christians, Gentiles, right? But if it's in this book, it might be written to a certain audience, the Romans or Ephesians or uh, whatever, Jews, but it's open game, right? If it's in this book, it's worth reading. So he may be speaking about Pharisees, but he's also talking to us, an application for us today. You know any Pharisees in your life? You know what a Pharisee is. Somebody thought they were better than everybody. They had it all together. They, they, they had the best pedigree. They, they knew everything. They didn't need a Savior because they were just good enough, right? So tax collectors, let me start here. I was going to read that, but I'm going to skip that because we're... I'll do it this way. Pick it up at 11. John, uh, Luke 15 and verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, Give me my share of your estate now before you die. So his father, his father agreed to divide the wealth between two sons. He basically was saying, You're dead to me. I want my money. I'm out of here. Right? That's what he was saying. Uh, it is what it is. And in that day, the younger son would have got one-third of the estate. The older son would have gotten two-thirds of the estate. So the, even though the younger son was getting less, I want my money now. Uh, Dad said, okay, here you go. A few days later, his 
This younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Anybody in this church, I think we heard a guy playing guitar, has wasted a lot of his life in money in wild living. We can all relate. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. I'm going to talk about those pods for a minute. So I looked up pods, and they were called carobs, I think is the, what they actually were, they surmise. The thing about carobs, I think they, they're mostly going to the Middle East. You guys ever seen a leaf that kind of looks like a banana and they're flat, brown, and ugly? I think that would probably resemble these carobs. Now, the thing about these carobs, they're only good for livestock. But today, guess what they're used for? Who said that? You knew that? Hey, girl. You can make fake chocolate out of them. Right? I think, so I, I started thinking, I was praying, I was listening to Bach. <laughs> I know, I'm not saying, I'm just like, I just got to get out of my head. And I was praying, listening to Bach. I know, this is not me. So I was listening to Bach, and not use a rock and roller country. And God gave me the revelation is, uh, we've taken something like that and settled for a substitute. So the prodigal is out in the far country eating pig pods something that was meant for pigs. And he comes to his senses. But I know a lot of people right now that are settling for less than best, and they're, out in the, they're just as far. They don't look as bad as the prodigal did, but they're out there settling for a substitute because they've gotten used to their funky mess. You know, and I know a guy, right, that I, a, a good friend of mine. He has so much money. You know, you can be a prodigal and be bathed and surrounded by money and all of this stuff and be just as far from God as that guy was. I see him all of the time. It's actually quite tragic. Because it's really difficult to reach. You know why I love preaching at a church like Misfits? Because you guys are all losers. <laughs> but the cool thing is you know it. There's only two kinds of people, idiots and recovering idiots. That's pretty much it. That's it. I know, it's kind of funny, but it's true. When you come to your conclusion and say, I'm an idiot. Now we're getting somewhere, Right? So I love this church because I don't have to preach so hard to prove to you or compel you that you need a Savior. A lot of us knew it. And God met us there on a bar stool, met us there sucking down pig slop, met us there when we actually, now the guy here in this account actually became a slave to the guy that was over him. He actually begged me to go and feed pigs. How many of you guys have begged, or girls in this church, have begged to do stupid stuff before? And you knew it was wrong, but this is the best it gets. I guess this is my lot in life. The Bible say, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen God's people begging for bread. And here he is over there going, just give me a little bit. I'll just, I'll just do whatever you want. Now, pigs were pretty gnarly in that day. Jews had nothing to do with pigs. And here he is, you left dad's house. And you're out here, you ran off and give me my money, I'm out of here, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to settle for this. But here, the cool thing about it is, it didn't take him long to realize, I think this really sucks. I'm not going to do this anymore. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him. Watch this. But no one gave him anything. You know what enabling is? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're getting somewhere, aren't we? Now we're getting somewhere. I remember when we first started Misfits, right? There was two fellows we met. One's name was Kelly, and the other name, Larry. Now, Barry and I love the Lord, and we were realized we were prodigals making our way back to the king's house. Depending how far you go, it takes a minute to get back up in the king's service. You can be restored immediately, but sometimes it takes a little bit because you're reaping what you've sown over the years. So we're making our way back. Well, Barry, do you... Just keep doing the next right thing, and eventually you're there. Positionally, you're already there. Practically, it's going to take a minute, right? So we met these fellas. And right at the beginning of Misfits, in fact, we weren't even Misfits yet. We were just so grateful that the king forgave us. Let's just do something. How about do something? Out of gratitude. Not because I have to, because I get to. So we started taking food to these two homeless fellas (laughs) that lived behind a shell station in Cave Springs. Yeah? Okay. So we were bringing them food, and we were bringing them stuff to make their life easier. Now, I'm not telling you guys not to help people. The last thing I want to say is sometimes when you're helping, you're actually hurting because you're getting in the way of God wanting to do something, right? But I remember talking to one guy, and I was, Barry and I had a conversation. Hey, man, we just, we just love you. We do. I, I can't even tell you how much Christ loves you. Here, here's a bunch of money and a bunch of food, and here's a pillow so you don't have to put your head on the concrete. Here you go. Is there any, you need a blanket? You need a blanket? Hear me, church. I'm cool with that. I'm all about helping people. That's what we're supposed to do. We're called to do that. Amen? But I remember this. He said something really interesting. He said, I go, come on, man. You're eating pig slop. I think he was a believer. You're eating pig slop. You're settling for this when God has so much more. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. I'm not sure, but this doesn't look abundant. It really doesn't. I mean, you're living in a medium between 70 and the service road. Not abundance. I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I think I'm a little bit above average, actually. I've been thinking that because I meet a lot of dumb people. I'm going, oh, my. But then I meet smart people, and I'm brought back to my senses. So I'm just grateful. How about that? Okay. So I'm talking to the guy. I said, listen, I think Jesus can help you. I think there's a better way to live your life. He said, well, if it gets real bad, uh, uh, I was like, I got to be honest. Now, I'm a, you're sleeping at a shell station with no blankets, and it's five. Your snot is frozen. For real. I think it's bad. Now, I learned something right then, and it took a process Toxic charity, we'll call it. When you see a prodigal and God is dealing with them, get out of the way and let God have his way. You run out, you bail them out, you do all this stuff, just let God have his way. And then they might think you're mean. doesn't matter. We're not marching for them. We're living for God, right? And if it was good enough, he's laying the precedent out. Yeah, we want to help people and let them know. Peter said, send some money. He said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. I don't have any of that stuff. What can I do for you? Heck, I can barely pay my own bills, right? I can't do anything, but I can point you to the one that can. He's the one that saved me, and if he got me, he can get you, right? But I'm out of the way. Anyway, we're going back to the king's house at this point. Now, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, hmm, self, at home, 
Even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. How about that? You come to your senses. You realize, you know what? This sucks. The way I'm living my life, this is wrong. I don't know if it's part of the... I don't know what it is. It's different for everybody. My sister-in-law lost everything, and we thought that was bottom. It's like, this is definitely bottom. She's at bottom. And it wasn't. It was sometime after she hit bottom, maybe she was rebounding and then coming to her senses. However it works, I don't know. But she came to her senses later. And we're like, all of that, you've, you've lost your car, you've lost your house, you lived on the streets, you've done all of this, and that wasn't enough. But then three months later, something happens, and all of a sudden, you know what? I came to my senses. I'm out of here. I'm going back. We're like, gosh, you're amazing. The, the way the Lord deals with people, and he deals with you different, Matt, than he deals with me. And he deals with you different, Reagan, than he deals with Pete. It's an individual, personal thing. There are, everything in the Bible is by precept and example, sure, but he deals with us personally. Religion tells you, you do this. Take all the beers and run them out of here and burn it all to the ground. They tried that. Prohibition, it didn't work. Right? Religion tells me, hey, I figured it all out because what I can't do, I'm going to tell you what you can't do. See what I'm saying? God deals with everybody on a different level. Thank you. Who was that? Thank you, Gail. It's good to have you back. So let me say this about Nick. During this time, <laughs> I came to Nick and he would sit over in a corner. And I assumed, made the assumption, after I saw, read these, The Devil's on the Internet. Remember that song? Devil's on the Internet. I was just, wow, it was really fast, almost like a country rap song, old school kind of thing. And I was like, oh my God, you've got, this is incredible, Nick. How are you writing these? And I was just, by this time, you know, kind of becoming a little more familiar with Nick. What's up, Nick? We're kind of friends now. And I still, there was a thing about Nick. He was kind of, but I kind of figured Nick, what's up? He was, you know, whatever. He was big like Martin in a different way. <laughs> okay, okay. So I remember going over and I said, Nick, that was an amazing song. And he would do these little notes and I saved every one of them. I saved every note. That it was such an encouragement to me. You guys understand how discouraging doing what we do can be? Thank God for each person that sends an encouraging email. Thank you. And I remember them. But I kept all of his notes. And he said, uh, hey, can you come on my radio show? <sighs> well, Nick, I guess you've seen me preaching over there. Certainly I can. I'll study up on my doctrine. He said, because I've never met a Christian like you. I said, I'm not that unique. You've just been around lame people. <laughs> really? For real? I mean, we're pretty normal. And I would bet if he met everybody in here, he would say the same thing. In comparison to religion, you guys are pretty neat. The Bible says we're a peculiar people. Right? This church, definitely peculiar. You should look at it out this way sometime. Wow. What a jacked up looking congregation. Praise the Lord. Amen? So apparently, for Nick, it was an attraction because he's going, man, I've never seen it. So he goes, come on to my show. We're going live. Now we got a show right now. It's kind of neat. I don't know if you guys ever listened to it. But you see, the Holy Spirit and Jack do a great job editing it. This was live, a whole different deal. So I'm in there, and I got done. I was like, well, Nick goes, hey, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, and he goes, you know how I said you were a pretty unique guy? 
I said, yeah. And he goes, what was that? I was like, oh. He goes, it really sucked. I'm like, yeah, but. And we became friends, and I loved him. I just loved him, man. I just loved being around him, and I was like, man, you're, you're just something. And I remember coming to him after church. He wrote something else. I said, man, are you a believer? You've got to be a believer. And he said, no, I'm not. After he wrote Water and Blood, after he wrote The Devil's on the Internet, after he wrote I'm Busy for Jesus, he wrote all these songs and didn't even know them. And I go, why? He goes, because I'm not ready. I'm thinking you're 70-some years old. You better figure this out. You're running out of time. You better make your stake, whatever it is, and do something about it, right? People in this church right now, you're on the fence, you're off the fence. You're on the church fence, you're off. You better figure it out because we're not promised tomorrow. Well, guess what he did? He shut me down. Just, I was like, man, I lost my friend. Just because I told him and asked him, are you a believer or not? And I, it was like, wow. He's not returning my text. Not, it's like I broke up with a girlfriend. It's like, come on. I'm returning text. You're, and you're not returning text. We're cool, man. We were kind of metaphorically walking along, holding hands. Not real, but you know what I'm saying. I did do that in Africa with a man. It was really crazy. It's a whole different deal. Skipping, holding hands. Crazy. Different culture. But, and I was like really broken hearted because I knew he's probably running out of time. And then he got the cough. <laughs> I, I was like, what's going on? You know, I would see him Sundays and he would just, what's going on with the cough? Ah, I gotta, I'm going to the doctor and they're working through this thing and I don't know what's going on, <coughs> you know, like that. And I was like, Okay. So I'm continuing to pray for him. And he's continuing to resist me. And then finally he stopped going to church and finally stopped returning to my text. But you know what I did, though? I sent him encouraging scriptures all of the time. I'm not really much of a group text guy. If I'm in your group text, take me out, please. But I, you know, a personal thing. Like, I, I love you. They, they were coming personal. It was me and Nick doing business. And finally, after about two months of doing this, or three months, or four months, or whatever, don't give up. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up, the Bible says. I got a text back that says, that was a good one. Thank you. I was like, oh, dude, yes! Jesus, you're doing what you do. Right? The Word of God was breaking down his heart. That's what was going on. Hit pause on that, and we'll come back to that. Right? And I'm kind of dovetailing this in with the Nick Nixon story, not really knowing how it, works, but I'm going to get to the good stuff in a minute, okay? I know I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I believe he was saved right then. You hear me? I believe that this guy the father had been looking for him. You'll see in a minute. He knew. So he returned home to his father. Do you guys know that we're not home? You guys know that uh, this is kind of like Fort Wilderness, the church, not just misfits. I'm talking Element, I'm talking First Baptist, Wright City, all of the good churches are calling the name of Jesus. This is like Fort Wilderness. We are the church, and we're on our way back home. 
But every once in a while, doesn't God just give you like a really glimpse of what it might be like there? You know, every once in a while, I think it gives us something to, to hold on to look forward to. Right? I'm trying to see it in hummingbirds like Lynn does. I, I'm not seeing it. I, 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 that's like a little bird. looks like a mosquito flying around. But I see it in people. I see it in people, and I think I heard it in Bach today. How about that? I was like, oh, wow. Is that what everybody's been talking about, the beauty of it? Focus on these things that are lovely. Whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, focus on these things. Think about things like this. I'm looking at the bird going, man, I, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. But I love when God gives you glimpses of home. And when we get there, we can talk about all this fun stuff. So he returned home. To his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Another version said he fell on him. He fell on his neck. Like, man, this wasn't like, oh, I'm just great to see you. Wonderful. I've been looking for you. He was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I love telling people about when somebody gets saved. You know what bums me out? When you tell somebody a believer, Hey, man, did you hear old boy got saved? Oh, that's good. You kidding me? One sinner comes home, and the whole heaven's going crazy over old boy, over the guy behind you, a couple over here that have been saved, and the whole place goes nuts. We got people going, bravo, bravo. Good. That's good. I wonder sometimes if we're more like the son that stayed home. We're going to get to him in a minute rather than the prodigal. Yeah. If you're honest, been doing this for a minute, some of you are kind of, woo-woo-woo-woo. I've always been saved. I can barely remember what it's like to be that guy. I've changed teams. I'm now this guy. Those guys suck. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Now, there's a time. There's a time you put your boundaries up and say, I'm not going to run with those guys. I'm going to short my faith. I'm going to do all the things I need to do, add my faith, knowledge, and all moral excellence, and all of these things. So eventually, I'll be able to go back and tell them about the same God that will save me can save them. But I have all these awesome little notes. And I haven't said any of them. Did you notice how... Um, the father fell on the son. What do you think the son smelled like? You think he took a shower and came home to the father? Yeah, it's kind of funky. We were just talking about come to God as you are. Just, just come as you are. Come as you are in your filth and your funk and your addiction and all the other things that you are or I. Come, just come. If your friend's out there and all funky, Bring him. Bring him to Jesus. Or take Jesus to them. The father didn't let all the pig stuff keep the father from kissing his son. Why would we? A lot of churches would say, listen, man, just come as you are, but please, by next week, 
don't be like that. You know, because you're kind of like, you know, kind of stinky. So here he is. He fell on him, he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Some of you have been doing this so long, you think all of a sudden you're worthy. But I think the way the grace works, the more that you love God, the more that you realize who you are apart from him. The more that you're, it should work, and there have been seasons that it doesn't work this way in my life. It should work why I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful to, to, to not be out there anymore. But Lord, there's other people out there like I was, and I want to be used as, as a catalyst to go get them. I want to go help them. David said, then I'll teach sinners your ways. Let me go over here real quick. Romans, um, oh, let's see, if, there it is. No, that's not it. The description, Paul talks about us being ministers of reconciliation. We're Christ's ambassadors, compelling you be reconciled to him. It's your job. It's your job. Your job, your job. Not just our job. We get to do this. We get to tell people about Jesus. Hit pause on that. Did you guys get a Bible yet? We're going to tell people about God. We're going to show them the love of Christ. Not just tell them. That's Everybody grab a Bible here tonight. And you think of one person that's on your pradar. Yeah. Yeah, it's a misfit word. You can use it. And you personalize it. They're, on, they're, they're back there on that blue shelf. That was from Camion and Don from Wisconsin. They brought 144 of them. I don't want to see any of them on the shelf in like two months and we'll get 144 more. Things change when you get the Word of God into them, right? So I would personalize it like, Jimmy, you know my story. You might do a little mini testimony. Don't write a novel. Nobody cares. <laughs> really? Like, well, my story is so powerful, I'm going to write 18 pages. It won't be read. Just write a little something. Tell a little bit of your story and say that God did this to me, can do it for you. That's fun. Is that fun? That's fun, guys. Evangelism's fun. We're going to get to that in a minute. Because now then you'll know the rest of the story. Okay? But his father said to the servant, I think he actually interrupted him. Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Kill the calf. We've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast, for the son of mine was dead, and now is returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. Watch this. So the party began. Now this church is full of partiers. I know you're good at it. But now we're partying in a different way. Because now we're no high like the most high. And all these little sayings I forget. That's what we're doing, right? Because, and it's, notice it doesn't, say it stopped, it just began. For the Christian, our party never stops. We're going to leave here, we're going to go right into eternity. In 10,000 years, we'll be still talking about this stuff. Isn't that amazing? 10,000 years will be over, we'll still be learning, we'll still be growing, and all of these things. But the finest robe, 
you know, when you're a Christian, you're robed with Christ. You're covered in Christ's righteousness. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see Funky Martin, doesn't see Funky Craig, Funky Randy, Funky Mal. He sees his son and his righteousness covering you. Isn't that great? And some are pretty funky, for real. But he doesn't see it. And I love how he interrupted him. I'm not here, I'm not here to talk about the past. Dad's saying, you've already said what you needed to say. Forgive me, I'm not worthy to be, take me back. And he said, cool, let's do it. Let's, let's start party. The party starts now, right? And I love what Richard said last week about make sure your baptism is on the right side of your salvation. I love the way he said that. I thought that was so good. You got to meet a lot of people that are walking with Jesus, but their, their baptism is on the wrong side of their salvation. It says repent, then be baptized, right? I just think that was really, really cool. So he's robed with Christ. In the cup. He put a ring on his finger, a signet. When you said yes to Jesus, there was a deposit put in you. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And even though we blow it and we're, you know, we're, I had a, 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 a text message from a young man that gave his, Christ, gave his life to Christ a, a year ago. And he just can't seem to kick this one sin. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three, I don't know. But he was just grieved over it. I said, I got to be honest, that's a great sign. You're wrestling with it. Were you wrestling with it a year ago or two years ago? No. Praise God. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just keep pushing through. Breakthrough will come. Right? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit, just like he had put that ring on his finger. The sandals on his feet. You know what? Guess who didn't get to wear shoes for the most part? Slaves. Sandals were reserved for sons. We are the sons and daughters of God in Christ. Oh, that's great. That's great news, preacher. I got another Nickism. You want it? Maybe this will speak to you. At the Baptist mission, the median age was 97. Danny and I were actually the youth group. <laughs> now, uh, I, 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 you know, you know, it is what it is. I'm about a B minus preacher, and I'm okay with it. I do the best I can with what I have. Amen. If you're a one-talent guy, then use it. If you're two, use it. If you're five, use it. I'm about two. I'm doing the best that I can, right? So I'm out there. I, I thought I was really preaching good. And I got this. For real. And I was like, Ugh. Finally, I was like, Nick comes up. And he goes, hey, come here a minute. Yes, sir. He was like my Uncle Nick, right? He said, you believe this stuff that you preach? And he probably said, stuff. I said, yes, sir. He goes, how do you expect us to believe it when you don't believe it? I go, what do you mean? He goes, they don't act some way. They don't react how you think they ought to react. And you, It's like he goes, I remember this when I was doing my thing. Because I would put a truth out, and I would just leave him, leave him sitting on it. And I've carried that with me. If your reaction is not what I think it should be, I'm preaching out of God's word. I'm just going to let you think about it. You think about it. That's what he said. You think about it. Isn't that great? I learned a lot. 
I don't really know what your reaction is be. Maybe you're saying he's full of baloney or whatever, but I encourage you to go through the Bible. Go through your heart and see if what I'm saying is accurate. If it's not, come and say, hey, dude, you're off because it's happened. Unfortunately, more than once. <laughs> but be a Berean. They were more noble of anybody. I found it. Second Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. This is for you guys, and it's for me. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. That's great. So we've stopped, let me take it up at 16. We've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How different we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That's great news. That's great news. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And now, watch this. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who had never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Come back to God. Is that great? I love that scripture. I've got to download that. Hold on a minute. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21. Meanwhile... The older son was in the fields working, which is good. Faith without works is dead. You're not doing anything. Get busy. If you're in the boat, grab an oar. So he's working, which is a good thing. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. I'm thinking it's kind of curious. So there's a party going on. You don't even know daddy's affairs. You don't even know the Father's affairs? You don't even know there's a party going on? What is your deal? You're so disconnected from the Father, you don't even know there's a party going on because your brother came home from a long ways off, and you don't even know what's up. How disconnected was this guy? The Pharisees is who he's referring to, but the application, I think, is for us today. Oh, great, he got saved, wonderful. What time did the Cardinals start? He asked one of the servants, what's going on? That's weird. One of the servants knew what was going on, but the son didn't. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his return. You know, we feast on Christ. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And a lot of people like, huh? And they turned around, they jetted, Right? We feast on Christ, on his word, on his fellowship, on all of these things because that's what gets us through until we meet him in glory, right? We just keep doing these things because when you're out there and your son, it gets rough if you're not feasting on Christ. Yes, you guys understand it, right? So I love this picture of the fatted cow. Christ is our Passover. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, I think it's cool because 
even though he had two sons, one was an idiot, and the other one thought he was not an idiot, which made him an idiot. But notice the father's grace towards both of them. He's just so full of mercy, not wanting anybody to perish, but ultimately repent. He's so kind, and he's so good, and he's so patient. Where would we be if God was like the older son? We'd be bum and hardcore, dude. All these years I've slaved for you, never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all this time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. I think it's cool because the prodigal son, I'm not worried about grabbing the food and taking off and partying with my friends. I want to hang out with the family. I'm going to be with my father. I'm going to be with my his, I'm going to be in his house. The other guy was like, give me some food. I'm going to go have some fun with my friends. I'm more interested in what's on the king's table than the king himself. Really. That's what he's saying here, right? Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Anybody ever fail? I better see every hand in here going up. Anybody ever fail and people go, ooh, cool. He's failed, so let's add a bunch of lies and heap on it. Because in the original narrative, he didn't say anything about squandering his money on prostitutes. I think that's something the son said. Oh, by the way, and not only did that, I think he spent a bunch of money on prostitutes. Now, maybe he was given some revelation, but it seems to me the older son was so incensed the dad took him back and gave him all this stuff and was just so happy he's returned. I'm going to help dad out and tell him a bunch of stuff. That's bad news. If you've done that, shame on you. Stop it. We celebrate when the prodigals come home. We celebrate no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been. The assumption is they've truly repented and they've come home. And you're just like, yeah, that's great. Back to Nick. So, so I called him one time after I got the text, after I sent the text message, and he responded, remember the story? I called him and I said, hey, I got to find a way in. Some of you guys are this close to getting that way in. You have to, uh, to earn the right to speak into somebody's life. You need to spend some time with somebody. You need to find a common ground with somebody to be able to share truth with somebody. Perhaps it's a job site. Perhaps it's a, a motorcycle. Maybe it's a club. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a lifestyle that you've come out of. Maybe it's a prison ministry. You have to find that common ground. Mine was a guitar. Yeah. You see, my daddy, my earthly daddy, left me a Framus guitar. And I'm very good. GCDE, seven. A couple other ones. And I said, man, you know what? I don't know if this thing's any good, but I know who would know. Why don't I call Nick under that guise of really caring about this guitar? I did because it was my dad's. I still have it, amen? But it's not going to be in heaven. You see, Nick hadn't made a decision yet. Get it? Okay, okay. I called him up and said, yeah, hi, Nick. We're, it's Nick now. It's no longer Mr. Nixon. We're cool. Yeah, hey, Nick, uh, it's good to hear your voice. He was like, 
hey, Randy, how's it going? I said, hey, I, I have a favor to ask of you. Can I uh, bring my dad's guitar over and let you look at it and see if it's, uh, it's good or not? Oh, yeah. Because I tell you what, you've always shot straight, right? Okay, if this thing's a piece of stuff, I'm going to tell you. Is that cool? Yeah, it's great. Can I come over now? Yeah. I threw my guitar and my car went over. And I was like, I'm going to see Nick. Man, maybe this is the day he gets the life to Jesus. I've been praying for him the whole time and sending him scriptures. Remember that. Because it's the scriptures that break up the fallow ground. It's not Randy. It's the Holy Spirit. You can't come to the Father unless you're drawn. But I really sensed you're being drawn. And a lot of times you have to wait till the last second. Am I right, Campbell? Campbell's the grim reaper. He's been with several people. And I would say many times, if you hear the clunk, 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 coming down the hallway to your hospital room and Campbell's there, you better give your life to Jesus because you're about out of time. Right? So I go over to Nick's house. I'm, I'm having a good conversation with him. And I said, hey, man, can you play this? And he goes, yeah, let me see that thing. He had an oxygen mask. And he put it up on his head. I was like, okay, cool. So he goes, let me play the song for you. And I was like, all I remember of the song was this. You're paid in full when you are born again. And I was like, and I don't remember the rest of it. I was just like, what just happened? I said, dude, are you saved? He said, I don't think so. I was like, why? He goes, I'm not ready. I was like, dude, I don't get it. I just don't. He knew the gospel. He'd heard enough gospel to save 400 nations. But you can't come to the Father unless you're drawn. But I was like, come on, Jesus. We can have that kind of relation with Jesus. Like, come on. I said, can I go and get my telephone? You could play that again. And I have a recording of it somewhere. At the end of the thing, I was just not ready. And I, he said, I've sinned a lot. I've sinned a whole lot. I've done things in my life. And he was a big, big star. You have to understand, Nick Nixon would have been, the only thing that kept him from as big as Merle is he chose family and wife and daughter and responsibility over chasing a dream in Nashville. I was always, I always admired him for that. But he had done a lot of things, and he just wasn't ready. I was like, oh, man, come on, dude. And I asked Kim Nixon to come tonight, and she was this close. I, if I'd have thought about it. I get a phone call about three weeks later, and uh, it was Kim Nixon, his wife. And I had just gotten home from work, and he, she said, hey, there's three people that want to be saved over here. Can you come over? You talk about Jimmy John? You know, seen anything like this, man. I had a purple Toyota, dude. I was burning rubber. Man, he only lived about two miles from me, right? And I was like, what's up? Got the word with me? Get this thing done. Well, Lee was in a chair. And first of all, Autumn went first. And uh, then Kim gave her life to Christ. Now, it's not my job to know whether it's true or not. That's not my job. I'm just the presenter. One plant. I'm just here. This is the gospel. You can respond to it. It's on you. My hands are now clean. <laughs> Nick comes up. 
said, Nick, you want to give your heart to Jesus? Huh? He goes, yeah, I do. I want to be saved. I was like, oh, God, are you kidding me? This yes, dude. He invited Christ into his heart and got saved. It was amazing. I, 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 I. And then I was like, well, you know, the Bible says that you really need to be baptized, not to be saved, but you need to baptize after you get saved. To let everybody else, I, I've decided to follow Jesus. This is my witness to the world. This is the first act of obedience after I've been saved. Amen. All he had was like a foot washing trough. Well, I was like, okay. He's like, Kim, bring that over here. So we got it out and I put it under. And, okay. I go, well, we're going to go under, Nick, as best we can. He goes under the water. I go, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, bear with Christ, raised in life. He comes up out of the water. He goes, I better go under. I've done a whole lot of sending, Randy. <laughs> comes up. And I was like, man, it, it was a moment that we shared that was like, I, I love you, dude. I love you. I loved you before. I quite possibly could have loved you for 30 years or 40 years before I even knew you. And then he was getting iller and iller. Is that a word? More sick? More sick? And we were, thank you. Rhode Island chiming in over here. So we would go over to his house to do little odd jobs. And he was like, why are you doing this? Do you want some money? No, I'm doing this because I love you. That's why I'm doing it. We don't want anything in return. Just like Christ didn't want anything in return when he gave his life to you. It's grace you've been saved. This is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. So nobody could boast. Thank you. Allergies are really kicking in. Thank you, Jeanette. Well, he said, hey, man, it looks like I'm going to die. I said, actually, Nick, no, you're not. Amen. He said, but I got a favor to ask you. You know, Bill Beanie was his best friend. And Bill's still alive. If not for Bill at that season, misfits may not be here. Amen. He goes, listen, I'd like you to do my funeral. He goes, well, technically, Bill is doing it. But Bill's really old. He could die before me. <laughs> so really, one of my claim to fame is I was Nick Nixon's backup preacher to his funeral. Or I should say, his home going. Praise God. Amen. Now, what happened all those years? He was a prodigal for all those years. He had to hit whatever bottom is. Sometimes bottom is right before you go to be with Jesus. You know, it's different for everybody. But what we do is we share the truth with them, we, we love on them, we serve them, we spend some time with them, we listen to them, we treat them with grace and respect and love. We, we, we do these things because we can't shave one iota. When they come to God, it's because of God has led them to God. And I stopped saying, I just let that person to Christ because you didn't lead anybody to Christ. God just let you be part of it. He did, it was him that led it. You were just there. You were just a bit park in his big show. Amen? This is all about God. This is all of his show. And all you do is stand there and you play your little part. Right? Now, I've wrestled with it, and I've gone back and forth. I've been the slave son in the house saying, I can't believe this going on. And then God, just in his sovereignty and his love, allows you to fall on your face. And when you do, it brings humility. Yeah. 
brings humility, and then you go, well, I guess I'm a prodigal. Yeah, I just thought, if I'm a prodigal, you know what? You're saved, amen? You're saved. We know God. (sighs) His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate the Sabbath day before your brother was dead and came back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Isn't that great? I think it's cool because the biggest sinners I know are the happiest people that had a prior life. It's so good when they're back in the house of God. Boy, you're a son. You mean I can do this? It's kind of like when we were at the mission. Remember, Danny? When we left and we were so grateful to have this stinky, poopy, You know what I'm talking about. Because we call it beagle mania inside the church. I was like, I can't do this, Jesus. I can't preach when I'm smelling purine. I recycled. But we were so grateful. We were so thankful that we got this place. And I remember when Bill threw us the keys and left that day, we were kind of like, well... It's like Dad gave us the keys to the old worn-out Bel Air. Let's get some people saved. Amen. And we did the best we could with what we had. Amen. Now look at this place. We are grateful. That's a pretty cool state-of-the-art facility. Pretty kind of state. Well, you know, for us, Smithsville style, we're grateful. Amen. So maybe there's somebody out there tonight that you're on the run that you're settling for a substitute, you're settling for a pig pod, even though you've refined it and made it, hey, it's nice. Because I suspect even the prodigal could have carved out a little niche over there and made it. It's not bad. A little funky. I'm pretty close to the pig slop. But it ain't bad. You know, I mean, if you like that, it's fine. It's fine. Maybe there's somebody out there tonight that feels like that. Maybe it's time that you got to come home. Maybe you should come home. Maybe you know somebody that you've been judging or you've been looking down on, or you've been wondering, maybe you should show them a little love. Maybe you should bring them a Bible. Maybe you should introduce them to the same Jesus that cleaned you up. You haven't always been like that. And when they come through the doors, how about you fall on their neck and kiss them and say, we're just so grateful you're here. Woo-wee, are we grateful. Amen? <laughs> wow. you some fun. But man, we love you and we are glad you're here. That's what the church does. That's what the body of Christ does. But I want to play this song. And I'm not sure if Nick wrote this, but Nick had a way of doing it. So I want to play this song. And if there's somebody, uh, Craig, stand up. Pete, come on up. We need one more guy over here. Joshua, stand up. Right here. And, and we need some ladies too. Reagan, come on up. If you need prayer for anything, Katrina, you know, whoever, just we need some girls up here too. If you need prayer for anything, or you're wandering, or you're running around, or whatever, I want you to listen to the words of this song, and maybe it's your time to come home. Right? It's never too late, guys, until it's too late. Never too late. There's my, there he is. Can you pump that? Thank you. 
That's what Jerry got saved in. I do believe it wasn't long. Within a few months, he got saved after that. But I think those songs, as you watch it, he was searching. He was looking. He was trying to figure out for himself if Jesus truly was what he had missed and what he had gone for his whole life, chasing other things. But he found it in the end. Amen? So uh, that's it. I want to pray, and then we'll do announcements. Father God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you found us, Lord, that you found us, that you went and you were on the ultimate rescue mission, Lord. We are just grateful. Let us be about your business. Let us be uh, given that ministry of reconciliation. Let us take the reins, Lord. We thank you for that um, responsibility. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, announcements.
Announcements, announcements, announcements. Misfit Recovery Groups, these are really cool deals. I heard High Hill's going well. Is that true? Lisa, are you here? Okay. Yes, yeah, sounds like it's going great. <laughs> anyway, so that's going great. Wednesday, 7 o'clock here. Uh, Lisa, we'll talk in my office. Again. No, just kidding. Sunday, High Hill, it's great. Really need to be out here for good things about that. So, yeah, you two are there, right? Okay. So that's okay. Not, you can still go, even though those two are there. John and Gail come too, right? Okay. So it's, it's, it's good. Yes? Thank you, Tyler, for stepping up. Next, Monday Ladies Bible Study. Uh, every other Monday, I think uh, Stephanie's doing, leading a group. Um, where's she at? Is it every other Monday? Okay. See Steph. Or see Lynn, or, or I don't think Lynn's, Brenda or Lisa for the other one. Tuesday men's group. All right, Rob, are you doing every? He's gone too. What is going on? Okay, they're every Tuesday, right? Every other Tuesday. Thank you, Pete. There he is. Crockpot Saturdays, May 15th at the church. This is a really cool deal. Good food. Right? May 15th, next Saturday. That's been, golly, we are rocking through this year. Wow. Okay, May 15th, bring a crockpot. Next breakfast. How about that? Next Sunday. I think they're doing uh, stuffed French toast. It's amazing. If you guys haven't had it, it's amazing. Last Last month, they made 200 bucks to send to Africa, which is really cool. They repaired a bathroom with that money. Misfit Blood Drive, 17, 2 through 6 p.m. You get a free T-shirt. This is a cool deal. This is just in, hot off the Holy Ghost Press. We're going to bless our first responders, our cops, our EMTs, our ambulance drivers, and anybody. We're going to give them Bibles, love on them, give them a hot dog in Jesus' name. Amen? Because we appreciate them. May 22nd, we need help. Hey, Tyler's cooking hot dogs. <laughs> Never be too good at a job you don't want. That's what happened. He's like, he said, boy, I like really, really get involved. Okay, we got hamburgers 22nd. We have it's great. So that's going to be a neat deal. Saturday. Are we still barbecuing 5,000 hot dogs? Pizza night, June 5th, before church. We're doing homemade pizza from Pizza Hut. It's great. You guys on this deal? It's funny because, oh, I'm always on that deal, but you guys are, whatever. That's a good deal. That it? All that stuff's going on. Thanks. Peace out. Martin, great job. Great job. Love you guys. Grab a Bible.